Welcome to Out With Dan, the podcast that spotlights and examines the voices of LGBTQ authors, characters, and our allies. Together, we lift our voices and we tell our stories. I'm Dan White. Join me as I chat with this week's author. Hello, and welcome back to Out With Dan. Today, I'm excited to talk to John Lindstrom about Hollywood Hustle. Welcome, John. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks for having me. You know, look, I've got one just like that. I love it. Yours is prettier than mine, though. Mine's I like a hardcover, it. that's why. I like that. Hardcovers are always my favorite. So oh, Very exciting when that box arrived at my Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know you must have been. So this is a delicious thriller, and I enjoyed it so much. Can Thank you give you. me a little bit of an origin of where the story came from besides just you or was there something particular? Wow. Well, the origin probably began the day I arrived in Hollywood <laughs> after leaving <laughs> Southern Oregon and driving in my beat up old pickup truck. You know, um, oh, there's a lot of things in the book that that reflect my my coming to, to L.A., um, because I did drive a pickup truck, as did Winston Green. Um, I had a little single apartment in Hollywood, as did Winston. And um, uh, and I used to do break jobs out in the valley. And I'm still haunted by some of those. <laughs> but I did flirt with the the cute girl at the fast food drive through too. So. I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. That. So, you know, I don't know. I guess uh, I... I'm not one of those writers who sits down and puts up a lot of scene cards on the wall. I do have a beat sheet. I get ideas and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And I, I know I type those up and I always have that handy because I might, I know when I'm getting to that part of the story, but I, I know where I start and I know where I'm going to end and everything else is just kind of a magical ride, uh, kind of a magic carpet ride all the way through. And I just let the story dictate itself to me. I love it. Uh, yeah, love but it. you know there is a <laughs> there is a certain amount of cynicism, um, uh, but also gratitude about L.A. and Hollywood and my career and my life. So, um, you know, take I, your pick, best. Yeah, and I think I think both of those come through so clearly too. You know, I think living in Los Angeles, there's a lot of magic that's made here. There's a lot of heartbreak that's made here, and I think yeah. to do any kind of story set in L.A with any kind of movie reference, you have to have both of those. So give us a, give us a little so. setup of what this thriller is about. Well, Winston Green is an over-the-hill film star who has managed to reclaim stability in his life by way of sobriety and basically doing a lot of C-grade movies that are only shown overseas. And he wakes up one morning in his little house in Wright Hood, which is up in the mountains outside of L.A., to find his six-year-old granddaughter in the house when she shouldn't be there. And she comes bearing a thumb drive with a video of Winston's estranged, troubled adult daughter having been kidnapped by a group of very murderous, dangerous criminals who want all of Winston's movie money or else <laughs> they will kill his daughter. What they don't know is his movie money is gone. Largely because he had a health scare and he fell off the wagon the previous year and he, he just messed up, which people do. So he needs to figure out a way to <laughs> kind of accomplish the impossible, look after and protect his six-year-old granddaughter 
and rescue his own daughter while trying to beat the kidnappers at their own game. And he does it by enlisting a couple of friends of his, a legendary stuntman by the name of Grover Washington. No, not named after the musician. <laughs> and Teddy Beauregard, a disgraced former LAPD cop, now private detective by way of New Orleans, who they met 20 years earlier when Teddy was the technical advisor on a movie that Winston was shooting in the Big Easy. So that's that's the beginning of the story. Um, and by the end of it, you have a pretty satisfying body count. <laughs> yes, and you do. Whether or not they have a happy ending, you're just going to have to read the book. <laughs> and it's, it's a good read, and it's an interesting read. So one of the things I thought about in reading this book is, you know, we who are not in the movie and film industry, we feel like we are because we see them. And we feel very familiar with it. And so I think you've given us <clears throat> a familiarity, a thriller set in a world that we all feel like we know because we see so many things on TV and in the movies, yet we're really not a part of that. And I saw some things, you know, with Winston, he, with a faded glory, so to speak, in the past, and he's still working he is a character that we root for because we want him to win and we're worried about what might happen. Yet we see the underbelly of Hollywood and we see the good parts of it. So I assume that's something you've seen too in your career. Yeah. And I wanted to make that clear, you know, as part of a story in the book, um, I, you know, there Hollywood and Los Angeles in general is a place of just grand opportunity and possibility. Mm -hmm. And the rewards that you can find here are truly enormous, gargantuan, financially, uh, personally, professionally, er, you know, everything. The brain trust, just the creative brain trust in, in Southern California is the, has the highest concentration of creativity of anywhere in the world. Absolutely. So you meet fascinating people here. The problem with that is that that really makes a great big bright light. And what does a light do? It attracts. <laughs> and it attracts all the stinky moths that will get into your clothes and your soul and eat it alive. <laughs> and those people are here too. Yes. Problem is, is that they're very, you know, they can be, they hide well. LA is a very deceptive city when it comes to the dark side. You know, it's hidden underneath the, you know, of course it's raining today, but um, which is a rare occasion. Rare. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, usually it's just endless sunlight, blue sky yes. and glittering palm trees and, and the beach, you know, the world's biggest bathtub is, is never right. more than 30 minutes away. That's right. Yeah. But you know, that this environment really does hide a, a very dangerous element to it. And most of that is based in avarice and ambition and greed and duplicity. And you have to watch out for it. Um, you know, honestly, Dan, I don't have enough fingers and toes to count the number <laughs> of people that I've known, famous or not, whose lives and careers have been derailed by that dark side. Yes. Most of the time, usually through substance abuse, because I do believe that many people, especially actors, have a bit of sense of self-loathing when they start out. And I know I did. All the people I knew back then did. And like Winston, I'm the only one from that time that's still here. The attrition that, rate is really high. That, that says a lot. One of the things that I was so impressed with 
you as an author was you show us uh, addiction and drug and alcohol use, but you don't preach. Winston has no. some things he's trying so hard in his life to accomplish. And he realizes that he's on a track that he would like his daughter Claire to be on. But he also realizes that you can't force anyone to be on a track they don't want to be on. And so I thought you did that whole portion of the book very lovingly and very kindly because we all know someone in this life who has a, a substance abuse issue. Yeah. And yeah. there's there's a way to bring that about and make it part of the story or there's a way to preach about it. You made it a part of the story and you made it a very integral part of the story. And of course, it drives the plot along as well. Was that yeah. something that you really wanted to highlight or did that just sort of, you know, it just kind of came along as, you know, I knew who Winston was from the first page. Okay. I knew, you know, I mean, there are certainly examples out there and I can say it now um, because uh, sadly he passed away last year, but Tom Sizemore was one of the inspirations for Winston Green, okay. you know, a hugely gifted guy who came to town and hit it big um, really was on his track to become Really, in my view, I thought he was on his way to becoming another Humphrey Bogart. He could have had that kind of career. He was working with the best directors, all the best actors. I mean, you just see see him in the movie Heat. He's riveting. Yes. The guy that, you know, Al Pacino takes him out towards the end of the film in the big robbery. But, you know, he was on his way and his demons and addictions got him and just made a hard left turn. And he finally did get his life back to a place where Winston is kind of at, you know, it's stable. He's not doing the best movies, but he's working, you know, it's still his face on the poster, but unfortunately, you know, from what I understand anyway, you know, I don't know if this is exactly the whole story, but from what I understand, Mr. Sizemore had just abused himself to the point where he gave out, yeah. you know, and so he, he passed away last year. You know, so that was part of my what if. What if it's a, you know, a Tom Sizemore and he's, you know, he's gotten himself together and he keeps going. What, what happens then? So uh, I think I forgot your question. <laughs> no, that, that was just it. You answered it perfectly because it is you don't preach about addiction. You share it. That's this is something it just is what it is. is. You know, That's yeah, right. you, you have the X factor or you don't. I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. I don't. But I sure know a lot of people who do. And, uh, you know, all you can do is just just support them. Yes, absolutely. Um, because you know, yeah, all... and just treat it for what it is. It's a it's an it's an illness. An illness. They it can is. either they can either get well or not. That's right. That's absolutely right. And of course, you know, anybody needs to know where to score. They need to find out where the bowling alley is in San Fernando. And <laughs> that one I made up. So <laughs> I knew you did. So. You know, Silmore is an actual town, but no, the bowling alley I made up. <laughs> so Reed Farrell called. We'll go looking for a drug dealer at a bar. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> they, they will come and find you if you have enough money. So, yeah. And, that, and that's pointed out very clearly in the book, too. You know, something Reed Farrell Coleman talked about in Sleepless City was the difference between city and country quiet. And I found that that was an element of your book that you hit the nail straight on the head. Um, Thank you. The differences between a right wood and Hollywood and even Venice almost had a bit of country feel to it. And the fact that 
Venice is a little sleepy village and it's right amongst the hustle and bustle of Santa Monica, but yet Venice always seems to be a little quieter. Mm -hmm. And so the, the quiet moments I found were so interesting to read in your book because you, the reader could feel that quietness, whether it was Winston being upset and worried in Wrightwood or just the quietness of Venice before something goes wrong in Venice. And I will say to the reader that the Venice scenes really got to me. The hairs on the back of my neck stood up the whole nine yards. It oh, was wow. really well done. Wonderful. Thank you. I used to live in Venice. I love Venice. Venice and is gorgeous. It, it's gorgeous. And, you know, it, it is now. <laughs> it, was it wasn't always. Yeah, it was a bit of a slum for quite a long time. In fact, that was part of the, the book that I cut out. Um, uh, an author friend of mine, somebody who got me into this, really um, helped me get to a publishing place, was the author Alex Finlay. I had narrated a couple of his audiobooks, and I wrote to him to thank him for the inspiration. And Alex got right back to me, and he's since become a friend. Um, but one of the things that Alex told me was, before you even submit this, because you have a good book, but you need to work with a professional editor. And I found an independent editor, really brilliant guy named Nathaniel Maroonis, who used to run his own publishing house called Quercus. But he wanted to, you know, watch his children grow up. So he got rid of it and became an independent editor, as is his wife as well. Um, but with Nathaniel, I cut out about 30,000 words out of the manuscript, which is a lot. It is a lot. Some of it was, you know, I had pages describing the origins of Venice. I also had some subplots that really needed to go too. But, but you know, I'm, you know, I find that interesting. But the fact is, it's not important. Does it move the story? No. <laughs> Does it expose character? No, it doesn't. Um, but... Venice is a very unique place in that one. It's not easy to get to. No, no. <laughs> you got to want to get down there if you want to see Venice. The other thing is because it's hard to get to, there's not a lot of free parking around. Mm -mm. You know, when the sun goes down, boy, it's, it's, it's kind of a ghost town. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember my street when I lived there and I was just two blocks from Abbott Kinney Boulevard, you know, and I mean the busy part of Abbott Kinney. Um, my sidewalks could be deserted in the middle of the day, you know? So yeah, it's an anomaly, you know, it was, it it's not like that in Beverly Hills, two blocks from Rodeo drive, you know, it's Never. Busy. Yeah. yeah, it's always busy. Yeah. And I found that that was one of the things, uh, I often say I'm a bit of a, uh, human GPS. So I've been to, I've been to every place in this book, except one independence, California. I had to look up. I know where it is now that I've seen it, but I was like, okay, John has hit me with one. I did not know. Thank you for that. So you're uh, welcome. Yeah. It's on highway 395 on your way to mammoth mountain, which is why I know it so well, because I love to ski. Uh, but yeah, independence, lone pine, you know, all yes. that whole area has a rich Hollywood history. There's even a Hollywood museum there. Yes. Uh, you know, Humphrey Bogart shot High Sierra there. Uh, a lot of great Westerns were shot in that whole area. And of course, Mount Whitney, which is the highest peak in, in America, is right there. Yep. It's a very it's picturesque nice. spot. It is. It is. And it was it was unique in the fact that a body gets dropped off there. So I was like, oh, all righty then. And it's a desolate place. So I was like, I like yeah. that. But I did like I like the fact that 
one thing that you didn't do is navigate every street, but yet at the same time, if you live in Los Angeles, you will recognize the areas and your navigation from point A to point B were spot on, which is always important to me because I'm a bit of a stickler. So yeah. thank you for that as well. <laughs> yeah. The natives here kind of laugh at that one when they read it. They go, oh, the Parablossom Highway to the 210. to the you know. <laughs> It's almost like a Saturday Night Live skit, you know. Right. And I will audience, you know, but, but if you anyone, know, that's what we live with. It's, that's it, right. That's we have to get around here. And if anyone has a death wish, the pear blossom is a good place to sort of put your death wish out there. It's crazy. Yeah, ridiculous. yeah it's a crazy road. <laughs> I, I avoid it like the plague. So do I. So um, when are you out? You're out at the beginning of February. Is that February right? February 6th. Okay. Uh, the book drops, it. all of them drop, hardcovers, if you've pre-ordered. Uh, I do want to talk about pre-orders. Uh, yes, let's if you've pre-ordered, uh, you should receive it, I believe, on the 6th. Yes. Um, and we're having our book launch event on February 7th at the famous and legendary Book Soup on Sunset Boulevard at 7 p.m. that night. So, you know, if you're in town, come on by, Dan. It'd be great to have you there. I, will, I am intending to be there. You're on my calendar, so we can oh, get great. an autographed great. copy. So, um, and this is available for order now as pre-order. So It is, yeah. Um, I just learned this. All of this has been such a learning curve for me. It's been a really great one because at every turn, I've been happily surprised, unlike <laughs> all my experiences in Hollywood. Pitching scripts is a different animal than pitching books, let very, me tell you, mainly very. because differences in the in the businesses. But the advantage, apparently, or the importance of a pre-order for something like this, pre-orders for books are important like the opening weekend of a movie is or the overnight ratings for a, uh, a TV show that debuts one night okay. on the network. Right. It, it, it actually determines... And I, again, I didn't know any of this, but my publishers asked me to mention it. So I think it's important. It determines uh, whether or not you hit a book list. Okay. You know, based on, I guess, the amount of interest in the book or sales in a given week or something. Um, it can determine your placement in a bookstore. So when you see the books in the window, it probably had something to do with pre-orders. Um, uh, this will already have been aired, but there's always certain kind of uh, discounts around. So, yes, yes. you know, if uh, if you have if you know, if you're really interested and you want to get a little cut. Oh, and here's one. If you pre-order it and this is good up until I think February 2nd, 2nd or 3rd. Uh, if you pre-order the book and then upload your proof of purchase and you can go to my website and 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 see this. Um there is a link, you upload that pr proof of purchase and I will sign you a book plate. To oh, put I, love yeah. I love and, that. Yeah, and yeah, this is really cool. So that actually increases the value of the book I, with my signature, I don't know, it might be 10 cents, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and you will be entered to a random drawing to spend an hour with me virtually online. I which know. I'm really looking forward to because by that time people will have read the book and I really want yes. to hear what they have to say yeah. about it. Good. Well, once I'll make sure, in fact, I'll make sure that that, that uh, link is on the site right now. Good. Good. Again, it's Hollywood hustle. John, do you have a website or social yes. media you'd like to share? Yes. My website where you can find all things me. You can find, you can sign up for my social media, my Insta, my TikTok, my, <laughs> believe it or not, I'm on TikTok. 
Yeah, come on. That's right. Uh, but yeah, my, my Twitter, I just can't seem to call it X. All that stuff is at my website, johnlindstrom.com. That's John with no H. Remember that, J-O-N-L-I-N-D-S-T-R-O-M. Just go there. And you can even sign up for my newsletter there. And you can get uh, you can get the first word on everything before I announce it on, on my social media. I love that. I love that. Thank you, John, for joining me. This has been so Thank wonderful. You, this Thank has been great. Me. Thank you so much. And have a have a wonderful day. I you hope too. it dries out soon. I hope so, too. Hang on for me just a second. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Out With Dan. You can find more information about this podcast and its host at outwithdan.com, on Twitter at outwithdan, and on Instagram and Facebook at gooutwithdan. This podcast is hosted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and the theme music is provided by bensound.com. Join us again soon for the next episode of Out With Dan.